0: Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you here at Hamilton Baptist Church uh, this morning. Uh, it's unusual in that I uh, am in your building, uh, but you're not at the present moment in time. And uh, I know that you continue just to work and to pray and to plan for eventually uh, what will be uh, the way forward. But it is great to be with you uh, this morning and great to have the opportunity to minister in God's Word. If you have your Bible I'm going to encourage you to have that open uh, not only for the passage that I'm going to be reading but also just to reference uh, one or two other parts of Scripture uh, as we hear what God has laid in my heart for today. Uh, Turn with me if you will to Acts chapter 17. Uh, Acts 17 we're going to look at the opening 15 verses of Acts chapter 17 we're uh, in the thick of uh, Paul and Silas and his uh, missionary companions uh, in proclaiming the gospel and establishing uh, the church. And so we turn to Acts 17, and we read the opening 15 verses. Acts 17 and verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. And those who conducted Paul brought them as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Let us just pray before we uh, consider God's word for us this morning. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that this is the saving message that you have entrusted to your church. And we thank you whenever we open the pages of Holy Scripture and we see the gospel advance, that you speak into our hearts and you exhort us as your people to be a people whose deepest desire is to make your saving message known to the world in which we live. And so, our Father, we ask as we turn our attention to your Word this morning, that you would speak into our hearts and lives, and that you would challenge us in the places that we need to be challenged, and that you would enable us in the places that we need to be enabled, and that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would work in and through us for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want this morning for a little while to encourage our hearts with what it is to be the church on mission, what it is to be about the advance of the gospel, what it is in truth to be about the kingdom advance. And, you know, mission is uh, is the lifeblood of the church of Jesus Christ. Mission is what we should always be on in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. And yet, tragically, in our day and in our age, one of the things that we have done is we have given mission so many definitions that in actual fact it's almost lost its meaning. I think it was Stephen Neill who said that if mission is everything, then nothing is mission. And you know, the reality is that very often you will hear the church uh, talking about her mission, and she will be talking about the good works that she does. She will be talking about the things that we do in our community. Now, I'm not one to deny that they are an aspect of the overall aim and intention of of the church of Jesus Christ to make known the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is that very often the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, which ought to be at the forefront of who we are, in actual fact is pushed further and further away. Mission uh, is invariably described in the life of the church of Jesus Christ today. But biblically, it is always defined as the proclamation of the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you follow Paul and Silas or Paul and Timothy, when you follow the movements of the saints of God in the establishment of the early church, you realize that the one thing that was beating in their hearts, that was at the forefront of everything they were doing, was a clear proclamation, a clear explanation, a clear declaration of the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was always the way of the Apostle Paul, and it was always the way of those who were sent out to establish the church of Jesus Christ, they were on a mission from God. They had a message from God. They were proclaiming and declaring that saving message. That was what defined the mission of the early church, and it's what always ought to define the mission of any church in our day and in our age. When you ask people, uh, what is the gospel?" It's amazing the number of definitions, the number of descriptions that people will give you. But when you look at the scriptures and you look for a definition of the gospel, you will find that it is always a proclamation of our God, the righteous creator of all things and the creator of men and women has made himself known to man, the man that he created, the man who is a sinner, the man who is deserving of nothing but the righteous judgment of God. When you look at a definition of the gospel biblically, it is a declaration of God as the creator, the one before whom every man or woman is accountable. That man or that woman is a sinner in desperate need of a savior, but the proclamation of the gospel is Jesus Christ, is the very Savior that we need, and that the way in which you and I come to him is through repentance and faith. And in repentance and faith, we then live out the reality of the kingdom of God. And what is at the forefront of living for the kingdom of God? It is to be those who continue in the long line of the saints of God who make known the truth of the saving message of God to others. And so this morning, when we journey for a little while with Paul and Silas and Thessalonica, and then in Berea, what we're looking at uh, is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ on mission. And what we want to learn and what we want to apply to our own lives is what it is for you and I as the church of Jesus Christ today, even in a COVID world, to be a church on mission. And what should we do? We should lead with the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that uh, the COVID situation has done is it's focused people's attention on their own mortality. And there is only one message in the face of death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so when we journey with Paul and Silas, when we journey uh, with them in these places, we're looking at what it is to be the church on mission. And we're looking what it is to lead with the gospel. And we're looking about what it is to extend the good news of the gospel to those that surround us. To those that I hope and pray we would love and we'll see a little bit about that in our passage this morning. But also uh, to those who may well be enemies of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again we'll see a little bit about that. Well, Paul uh, and and his companions have journeyed from Amphipolis to Apollonia, and then they come to uh, Thessalonica, and there there was a synagogue of the Jews. And as was his custom, on the Sabbath day, Paul and his companions would go there to the synagogue, and there they would open up the ancient text of Scripture, they would open up the Old Testament Scriptures. And from the Old Testament Scriptures, starting there, they would go in a beeline to show how all of that was pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you and I, as the people of God, should be able, from anywhere in Scripture, to take people to the cross, to take people to Jesus, to take people to the one who alone is able to transform their life and to enable them to live as God intended. So, Paul and his companions, they would go to strategic centers for the gospel, And Thessalonica was a great place to be preaching the gospel, because from there there would be tremendous opportunities for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to travel out in all manner of directions. But what were they doing? Well, what they were doing was actually fulfilling the words of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Luke is the author of the Acts of the Apostles. The same one who gave us the gospel that bears his name is the author of the Acts of the Apostles. And it always does us good to read Luke and Acts together, because in actual fact, as you read them, you see the natural flow out of the life and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, out of the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, out of the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what you realize in the Acts of the Apostles, that Jesus is still building his church. Uh, And so as you journey in Acts, you're really journeying with the church of Jesus Christ, who in the resurrection power of Christ are proclaiming the message of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they're fulfilling the words of Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles. Turn back to Luke's gospel, Uh, and so Luke's gospel in chapter 24 uh, there, of course, we get that tremendous account of the resurrection of Jesus, and then uh, the account on the road to Emmaus, and then we get the account of Jesus appearing to his disciples. And we'll, we'll cut into the text, it's just before the ascension, uh, and we'll cut into the text at verse 44, uh, and we read these words. And then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." And my dear friends, you know uh, that at the start of the Acts of the Apostles, as the believers were gathered together, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Luke, uh, ever perfect in all that he was uh, writing down, It is really just showing us when we start to journey with Paul and Silas that here are the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ being fulfilled. As Jesus had said, now look what Jesus did. And then look at what Paul and his companions were doing in Thessalonica and Berea. You see where the model for mission comes. You see it comes straight from our Lord Jesus himself. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. What did he do? He said that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now you and, I, you and I look at our Lord Jesus Christ and we realize that he is the absolute fulfillment of all that was portrayed there in Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. But sometimes what we miss is that an actual fact we can turn to that very law of Moses? We can turn to those words of the prophets, we can turn to the Psalms, and from there we can show people how Jesus is the Christ. That's exactly what Paul and his companions were doing. The church on mission is fulfilling the words of Jesus and they're fulfilling the words of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. You see, look what our Lord Jesus says in verse 47. He says that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Uh, And so when we journey with our friends in Acts, we realize that they're journeying as witnesses. And you and I still today journey as witnesses of the saving power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how could you and I ever be witnesses? How could you and I ever fulfill the words of Jesus in the exact same way as Paul and Silas and his companions were doing? As the Spirit of God, who indwells all who are believers in Christ, empowers us and enables us to make Jesus known. That's how. That's That's the call of God upon our lives, that we might be those who are making known the gospel. You see, the church on mission is fulfilling the words of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church on mission is making known the message of Jesus as revealed in Holy Scripture. You see, sometimes you'll, you'll meet people who will talk about, uh, you know, the difference Jesus has made in their life, and they'll talk all about who they have been and how they are no longer that person. And, and that's good insofar as it goes. But what we need to do is we need to talk about how they have been transformed. And to do that, we need to go to the pages of Holy Scripture. And we need to, from the Scriptures, show how Jesus is the only one who is able to transform. You see, there was was the pattern of Paul and of his companions. As was his custom, he would go on the Sabbath day into the synagogue. And I I love the way in, in which Luke writes this for us. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. I, I meet some people today who, who want to reason with others about arguments for the existence of God, but the reasoning doesn't always flow out of the Scriptures. Now, that's not to undermine its value when it's added into what it is to reason out of the Scriptures. But you see, the reason why we need to learn to reason from the Scriptures is that the Word of God is living and active and powerful and has the ability to transform. Not your words, not mine. Paul reasoned from the Scriptures. And notice what he did, explaining and proving from the Scriptures that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And so what he does is he actually takes, this was a Jewish audience, uh, and you know the interesting thing is that when he started to reach out to uh, a a secular, non-Jewish audience, he might have started where they were, but he quickly took them to the scriptures. (laughs) He quickly took them to the revelation of who God is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And here in the synagogue, uh, he he was uh, proving to them that in actual fact, the Jewish Messiah had to suffer. And the Jewish Messiah had to die in order to ransom a lost world for God. And he explained from the Scriptures the wonderful message of the atonement, the wonderful message of the resurrection the wonderful message of the ascension. And why should we follow this pattern? Well, because that pattern is fruitful for the salvation of souls. Now, you and I know, and we'll come to this in just a moment, that in actual fact, not all uh, who heard him in actual fact responded favorably. But he never changed his method on the basis of the people's response he was faithful in showing people jesus from the holy scriptures in fact when paul and silas had to uh, get up and get out of thessalonica uh, and they went to berea we, we know that he followed the exact same pattern now the jews of berea got a much better name it says they were more noble than those in thessalonica but look what it says They received the Word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Well, you know, notice what it says. It wasn't they received Paul. They received the Word with all eagerness. And what were they examining? They were examining the content of what Paul had been saying to them. And what had Paul been saying to them from the scriptures? He'd been showing them that the whole salvation plan of God is revealed to us. Genesis through revelation for you and I, because we live in the light of the full revelation of the New Testament. But there they were, examining the scriptures to see if the things that Paul had spoken were so. Now notice, they received the Word. You see, when you and I responded in repentance and faith, if we have responded in repentance and faith, you know, you may well be one who attends Hamilton Baptist Church, but you might never have repented and put your trust in Christ. Coming along to church will not save you. Responding to Jesus Christ, the Word, is the only thing that will save you. But as you and I respond to the word that is spoken, as you and I look into that word and realize that here is the saving plan of God, then we discover that these things are so. You know, my friend, it seems that some of us are very happy to uh, feed the poor, some of us are very happy to take care of the orphans and the widows and the children, all good things. But are we willing also to lead with clearly showing the message of the gospel and its serious demands to lead with opening up the word of God and showing people that we have a righteous creator who calls an unrighteous sinner like themselves to repentance and faith, to an absolute conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord and he alone is Lord. Well, you know, my friends, you know, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was a a man who was passionate for those who were lost, And the church ought to be a church on mission when it has a passion for the lost who are around them. You see, we often talk about the Apostle Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles, but I hope it hasn't escaped our attention this morning that his early custom was to go to the synagogue and there to go to the Jewish people, and there to proclaim from the Jewish Scriptures the whole revelation of God in Christ, and to show from those Scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah, and that only by faith in Jesus can the remnant, who would believe in him and put their trust in him, enter into all the promises of God. And if you're familiar with Romans chapter 9 and 10 and 11, and if you, like me, are a Gentile, you realize that we're grafted in, right? But what you'll see in Romans chapter 9 is something of the heart of the Apostle Paul for the lost. And you'll see something of his heart for the lost people of his own nation, of his own race. Look what it says in Romans chapter 9. Come with me, if you will. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever? Amen. But it is not as though the Word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. and not all are children of Abraham because there is offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise as counted uh, as, as offspring. You see, he says it's only those who become children by faith that are saved. But what I want you to notice, my friend, is the man's passion for the lost people that surrounded him, and how his pattern was to go to the synagogues and they are in the synagogues to proclaim the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when the synagogue leaders and, and those who would not receive the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, when they rose up against him and became his opposition, he did according to uh, the anointing of the Spirit of God upon him. He, he went into the, the public places and he preached to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of God. What do he mean by that? He preached the word of God as revealed in Holy Scripture. He preached the saving message of the Lord Jesus Christ. But my friend, I want just to speak about you and I as the church in mission. Have we got that burning passion for the lost? Paul says, I, I wish that I were-, were cut off from Christ for the sake of those who don't know him. You know, sometimes in the church of Jesus Christ, we gather and you would think it's all about us. He would think that the church is all about us. And was it not? I think it was William Temple, the bishop, who said, The church is the only organization that ought to exist on planet Earth for the sake of its non-members. Because we're a people with a message and we're to be driven out with that message for all those who are not yet part of the family of God. And sometimes you'll hear believers talking about how, oh, I don't like the way we do that in worship, and I don't like the way we do this, or I don't like, and I think we should do it. It's not about you. It's about our Lord Jesus Christ. God in Christ has made you part of his family. That is a wondrous thing. And God empowers you to be one who has such a love for the lost that you long to see others saved, And Paul had such a passion beating in his heart for his own people, so much so that he would go to the synagogues and he knew that what he was saying out of Holy Scripture was not going to go down well with a lot of them. He knew that before he started, but he would preach faithfully. And, and you know the thing that I, I, I rejoice in, that the Lord blessed them with so much fruit. But Paul knew that there would be opposition. This was the same apostle who, when he described what he, he did in his service of Christ, is he said, you know, we, we proclaim Jesus Christ, crucified, raised from the dead. We proclaim the Savior, and we are your servants. For Christ's sake. In other words, he, he delighted to make himself a bond slave of others for the sake of the gospel. Do we see ourselves as servants for Christ's sake to our lost neighbors? Is there eternal salvation the greatest burden of our heart and life. Paul was a man who would even have himself cut off from Christ. That's not possible. But if it were possible for the sake of those who were lost. And the church on mission is a church that ought to be on mission because it's got a passion for the lost. And we don't need to be gathering on a Sunday to be sharing our faith with our family and our friends and our neighbors. We don't need to be gathering in person in order to be opening up the Scriptures with others. We just need a holy boldness. And we need a burning passion for the lost. Well, I want just to draw this little encouragement to a close. And I want to encourage us with this that when we get our mission right, and it flows out of the Word of God, and it is itself a proclamation of Jesus himself, the eternal Word who saves, then we will have two things. We will have fruitfulness, and we will have opposition, and we'll bear fruit amidst the opposition. And that's the joy of Acts chapter 17. Look look what it says in the early verses there. You know, as he preached, it says there at verse 4, And some of them were persuaded, and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, they set the city in an uproar, they attacked the house of Jason. Jason obviously had been supportive and sympathetic uh, to all that Paul was doing, seeking to bring him out to the crowd. And and we know that there in the midst, uh, a rabble arises and uh, Paul has to flee. But look at the accusation that is brought against him. These men who have turned the world upside down, have come here also, and Jason has received them. You know, I wish, I wish that the church that I lead under the gracious hand of God would be known as a church that's really turning the world upside down in terms of our faithfulness to the proclamation of the gospel. But you know, the reality is that... uh, as they proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, some were persuaded and believed in Jesus. And when they went to uh, Berea before uh, the Jews who were pursuing Paul at this time, uh, when they went there, it says that uh, they, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things, and many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed, they came there agitating and stirring up the crowd. You see, fruitfulness amidst opposition. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said it, that, you know, when we follow him, we're going to have to take up a cross and follow him. Uh, Not everyone is going to like us Uh, and particularly they're not going to like us because we side with him. And the reality is that uh, when we proclaim the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're either the fragrance of life or the fragrance of death. Uh, and, And Paul and his companions, they knew that, but they bore fruit amidst the opposition. I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said, that Jesus promised his followers that they would be courageously fearless, abundantly happy, and always in trouble. <laughs> and it's a beautiful little description. Courageously fearless, abundantly happy, but always in trouble. And you know, the reality is that sometimes as the people of God, we still get into trouble, but it's not for proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ but when we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves keeping the main thing, the main thing, keeping the message of Jesus central, and making him known in our world. And I want to encourage us as a church of God's people to be the people that God calls us to be, a people on mission. But as we're in mission to be fulfilling the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit, as we're in mission making Jesus known out of the pages of Holy Scripture, as we're in mission showing that Christ filled heart that we have for the lost, and as we're in mission being unafraid of opposition, but knowing that as we take our stand for Jesus the eternal Word of God will bear fruit in the transformed lives of others. May the Lord bless you, and may you have a fruitful week in mission for the glory of his name. Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that your Word is living and active. And we pray, Lord, that we would stand in the long line of faithful men and women of God who made known the great truth of Scripture, the great revelation of who you are and of all that you have done for the salvation of all who by repentance and faith would put their trust in you. Father, would you make us fruitful this week? for the glory of your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thanks, John, for that message uh, from God's Word this morning. So we'll now just uh, close our eyes and we'll come to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your message to each and every one of us. And we pray that as we receive that message that it would Challenge our hearts and encourage us too at the same time. We thank you that we can meet together like this and still continue to praise you, to hear your voice, to hear your word. And we just pray now, Lord, that you would part us with your blessing until we meet again. For we ask all things in and through the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.